Well, the NFL training camp season is here. Uh, Ryan, that means one thing. We're going to get crazy news out of NFL training camps here. We've got Saquon Barkley playing receiver, Wandale Robinson playing running back. Uh, I believe LaVisca Chenault's playing running back too. So is uh, ETN's playing receiver. It's all the crazy camp news that you would expect from the NFL season. So this is a really fun time to be alive. That's for sure. Uh, I'm Eric Smith, editor-in-chief at QB List. I am joined by Ryan Heath, and we are going to go through my five my favorite players, the players I can't stop drafting lately in drafts. So uh, this is going to be a fun one. Follow up to Ryan's from last week where he went over some of his. He stole a couple of mine, but I still came up with five good ones. So um, we're going to hit some news up top, but I just wanted to mention again, uh, we have all of our rankings coming out August 2nd next week. Um, we're going to have tons of stuff launching on the site. We got our team previews going. Uh, we are also hiring. If you are interested in contributing, uh, please check out Twitter. I posted on there today on my account and uh, at the QB list. Um, love to have you on board if you're interested in uh, getting into the fantasy industry or if you're already a part of it. So uh, reach out to us. And then uh, the other day I recorded my top 30 running backs on Second City Gridiron. That's at Second City Gridiron on Twitter. Um, you can check that out. It's a live stream. We built some tiers and rankings and uh, just a lot of fun. So doing that with Jeff Burkus. Uh, works over for Windy City Gridiron. Uh, he's, he's a Bears fan, but um, he's specializing in fantasy football right now. So um, lots of stuff going on. We're busy here. Ryan, before we get into some of this news, how you been doing? Anything new in your best ball drafts? Uh, what's going on fantasy-wise here? Yeah, the newest thing in my sort of best ball experience in hot best ball summer is last Saturday, I sat inside for 12 hours straight, just drafting teams in the Pomeranian. Uh, I, I touched absolutely zero grass. I got some, something like 12 teams in there. Didn't get in any of the slow drafts. That was apparently I missed out on that. Uh, should have should have been just sweatily maxing out my slow drafts and get, getting that sweet, sweet no rake action on underdog. But it was fun either way. And I don't regret spending my Saturday indoors. Yeah, I only got one in. I uh, wasn't feeling well that day. So just, you know, the rare phone draft, you know, just too lazy to get out of bed. So um, it, it was definitely needed uh, when you're feeling a little under the weather. So um, yeah, it's always best ball summer. It's definitely hot right now. So uh, that qualifies. So awesome. Well, let's get into some of the quick training camp news. We're just going to try to make sense of the stuff. Um, is it important yet? That's basically the question. Uh, it's day one of training camp. So um, I, I think the biggest news right off the bat, though, is in Tampa Bay. We got a few different things here, but um, right now, Chris Godwin was cleared. Uh, he did, he's not going to start the season on the pup list. It's pretty huge news. And then, of course, they signed Julio Jones for more depth in this receiving core. Uh, obviously, fills some holes from last year, but there's a lot of debate going on right now on how much the signing matters. So uh, where are you at, Ryan, with this Tampa Bay receiving core, which suddenly has a lot of names in it again? It's kind of how we remember it here. Yeah, it's a bit of whiplash. I, for a while, I was running with the take that Tom Brady suddenly had nobody to throw to, but that that's kind of that that that's not the case anymore. Uh, so I think the biggest fallout from Julio signing is that Russell Gage is no longer a sixth round pick, uh, which is apparently where he's been going for the last few weeks. Uh, I didn't have much part in that, but I good luck to and Godspeed to those who did. Uh, Julio himself, I'm not usually interested in the players on the wrong side of their career arcs that are kind of bouncing around Super Bowl contenders ring chasing. I feel like the, the results in fantasy aren't always that great from that archetype. So you probably won't see me taking a whole lot of Julio. I am interested in Chris Godwin, though. Uh, his ADP has been falling over the last month, 
And I think there's some value there at wide receiver 21 in the fifth round right now. That's a pretty big gap between where him and Evans are going when they're pretty similarly productive when they're on the field. I know that we're worried about guys coming back from ACLs, but if he's been cleared this early and he's out on the practice field, it's hard to argue with, right? Yeah, I do want to see, uh, yeah, how much he's practicing, how much he's playing. I mean, he has kind of one of those veterans. You could see them not wanting to put on the pup list and give him a shot to come back before that um, worth their roster spot. But yeah, I mean, if he's out there week one or close to it, he's a huge value. And, uh, you know, I mean, Mike Evans has been dinged up in his career. It's not like uh, Godwin's the only one with risk here. Julio, I mean, that's the big thing with Julio is his injury risk. He's 33. I just don't know what we can count on him for, from him. So I agree. Um, Godwin is looking appealing. All of a sudden, I was pretty down on him just because of that pup list possibility. But he certainly rebounded. If you drafted him, you got a really nice value already. I will say with Julio, like I got him super late in Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I got him with the last pick in Warrior Bowl because it kind of happened right as our draft wrapped up. Like I like Julio in those situations where it's late. Um, it's like kind of a big overall prize. If it clicks, you know, it, if Brady trusts him like he did Antonio Brown, like it could, it could really go well here. But in your traditional like home league, I just I think his floor is so low and the ceiling. I just don't think it's super likely. It's, just, it's, it's worth it in the big field tournaments, but we've already missed that time on his ADP. I don't know what it's going to get to, but uh, it's going to get nuts. So do you feel comfortable taking Julio anywhere? Uh, my best guess for where he's probably going to end up would be maybe like ninth, 10th, 11th round there. I'm just not that interested. There are running backs that could break out of some committees and these ambiguous backfields that I'd rather be drafting there. But yeah, I mean, if you got Julio in a large field tournament or in best ball with your last pick, then permission to get excited, I guess, mm-hmm. like that he could easily have a 30 point fantasy game when it matters this year. But I, yeah, just not that interested in managed leagues yeah the only thing that made me interested were the names he was attached to it was tampa bay and you know green bay and all these good offenses so that was the only reason i even have my two julio shares here so okay yeah i, I think i agree on gauge I, I still think he's got some kind of um you know boring slot receiver floor here i don't think he's completely toast we've still got injury risk all around him in the wide receiver core uh, but i am on board with you he, we were drafting him too high so uh, any last thoughts here on tampa bay's receiving core I don't think so. It's real. I'm most interested to see if Mike Evans ADP starts coming down. I mean, he's been solidly going in the second round all off season. And if Chris Godwin's on the field, then I, I don't think Evans peripheral numbers really support that. He only had like a 16% target share or something like that last year. And I, I didn't really believe that number the first time I saw it, but it, if unless he again goes out and is scoring touchdowns at a ridiculous rate and being insanely efficient, which is a possibility in a Tom Brady offense, but I I just would rather draft a lot of other wide receivers in the second round. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say Evans uh, had 12% uh, touchdown per target rate each of the last two seasons, which was pretty high. So it looks kind of sustainable, but I I agree with you. It, I think it's going to be nice, though. Evans is kind of like that really nice third-round pick we've had for years, and I like him much more in the third round than the second round. So maybe I can get back and start drafting uh, my boy Mike Evans here. So I'm I'm on board with that for sure. So, all right, let's get on to the backfield here. Um, we've got Leonard Fournette. Uh, now he's in great shape. We were worried that he was ballooning up over the offseason, but uh, Todd Bowles says he's in great shape and can play right now. So we back in on Leonard Fournette. 
you kind of have to be like if Fournette is in playing shape, he is basically guaranteed to see one of the best workloads in the league on one of the best offenses in the league. Like he he's an extremely high floor player. I, I know that he's 27. That's the wrong side of the running back age curve, but there's not really a whole lot of reason to worry too much. If you're getting him in the back of the second round, I mean, that's a discount on guys like Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon that you could say are on worse offenses and have more workload concerns. So I I think Fournette is suddenly looking like a pretty good value compared to a lot of the other running backs that are going ahead of him. Yeah, I agree. And even uh, 2019, when he wasn't in Tampa Bay, he had a really good fantasy year as well. It's not like last year was just some random breakout. He was averaging six targets a game. Like, yes, the cliff could be coming for Fournette for sure. But if he keeps getting six targets a game from Tom Brady, he's going to score touchdowns of this offense. He's going to get the PPR work. Uh, Yeah. It's really hard to pass him up. And when we get onto our running back rankings, I mean, just you can poke poke holes in everyone from pick like, you know, 12 in the draft on. So it's just, you got to pick your spots here and he's on a good offense. So I'm drafting Fournette. I actually don't draft him a ton, I guess, just to the way my rosters shake out, but I have zero problem clicking the button on him. So, um, yep. Let's get on to uh, San Francisco. Um, kind of expected, but Devo Samuel is not practicing at the start of training camp. Um, so first of all, are we worried about Debo missing games? Is this affecting our draft strategy here? I don't think it needs to, and here's why. Yes, Debo Samuel is not out on the field practicing, but he is in the building. He he is holding in, as the <laughs> brain trusts at NBC Sports Edge have said, Uh it, this is apparently the new thing because the NFL CBA no longer allows players to really hold out if they don't want to lose large amounts of money out of their game checks. So they have Debo and Deontay Johnson, who we'll talk about, uh, they have to be at the facility. It seems like they're negotiating in good faith with their teams. It seems like the teams would like to get some sort of deal done for each of them. I think at this point you have to assume that they're going to be on the field week one, because let's say they can't come to a contract agreement. Is Debo Samuel really going to say, okay, I'm like, I'm not playing and I'm going to not even accrue a season and we're in the same spot next year. Like that. It just, there's not a whole lot of leverage for these players anymore. That's what I was going to say. I think there are some superstars you can kind of see in your head. It never happens, but you could see in your head like, okay, I could see them really playing hardball and holding out a year, but I'm not sure as good as Debo Samuel is that he's got that kind of leverage. So he's he's going to play one way or another, I would have to think. So yeah, I'm not too concerned either. I think the bigger concern is just how he, you know, if he has touchdown regression on the ground and then how he works out with his new quarterback, because uh, Shanahan says that Trey Lance is the guy. So I think that's exciting for us. I mean, I I had Lance ranked QB nine already. Uh, I wasn't really too worried about Jimmy G taking the job from him. I'd still like to see him traded, but um, are we kind of uh, wheels up on Trey Lance here? Just drafting him as a kind of late round quarterback. It is wheels up on Trey Lance. I I don't think we can even call him a late round quarterback anymore. His, his ADP is basically around QB 12 right now and is is higher on certain platforms and will probably continue climbing as the off season goes. Uh, I'm not sure how much value is going to end up being left in Trey Lance. I'd say my concern isn't so much with him as a quarterback as it is 
with his receivers. Lance is just sucking more pass attempts out of an already extremely run heavy San Francisco offense. If he's going to run the ball eight times a game, then that that's less targets for Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. I, I think that that that's sort of an underreported uh, storyline or idea that has, that people have kind of just gotten excited about Lance, but not, not really thought about how that affects his receivers. Yeah, and I don't mind taking Ayuk just because he's so cheap. I know he he's so inconsistent, but if you're doing like a Lance stack and you don't feel like paying up for Debo, then I get it going for for Ayuk later. Um, he's a pretty decent deal. But yeah, I think it's going to be all Lance in the running game. He's probably going to steal some touchdowns from the running game, but I do think they could be awfully efficient running the ball. So I uh, could see some long runs out of the running backs there. So uh, yeah, still still excited about that offense, but expect lower passing volume. And I still want to see Jimmy G traded, but. Um, yeah, we'll wait on that one. So uh, let's get to another hold in. Uh, Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh sat out team drills during Wednesday's practice. Um, so same thing as with Debo. Like we're expecting Deontay Johnson back and on the field. Does uh, change anything with him or receivers behind him on the death chart? Yeah, with Deontay, I think the only difference is I'm very confident that the Steelers are not going to hand out a large contract to him. This is just not what the Steelers do as an organization. They understand that they're very good. Apparently at scouting wide receivers. They just, they just drafted George Pickens. I, we joked about how he was chase Claypool's replacement, but that probably has just as much to do with Deontay Johnson being on the last year of his deal as it does with chase Claypool. I think the Steelers are pretty happy to not, uh, sign Johnson to a long-term deal and have to pay out all of that money. Uh, I think he's probably walking after next year, but again, I don't really think he has the leverage to sit out games in a, in a contract dispute. I, I feel like Le'Veon Bell kind of ruined that for everybody <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah. So missing a year of football just is generally not a good thing. So I, I think that kind of compounds it as well. So Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do think what they're going to, I mean, they, it's pretty clear, I think already, but they're going to look at this and they've already got Claypool and Pickens and Fryermuth and Najee Harris. They don't need to pay out for Deontay Johnson. So um, might get some good production on contract year, but um, other than that, so uh, Mitch Trubisky is working with the first team offense at the start of camp. I mean, that's usually what happens here, right? I mean, Trubisky is a, a, a former NFL starter. He's going to get the nod over, uh, Kenny Pickett, the first round rookie, especially a later first round rookie. Anything to take away from this, or do you ex- do we still expect like Pickett to come in like week four or something? I don't. I don't know that I do expect Pickett to come in all that early. I feel like the Steelers would love to give Pickett a redshirt year. I, again, this is an organization that do- doesn't really believe in just thrusting their rookies into like giant playing time right off the bat. Uh, I, if it's like Ben Roethlisberger hall of famer, then yeah, they'll do it. But I wouldn't be all that surprised to see Pickett not see a lot of major action this year. And for fantasy, I honestly think that's a good thing. I think you prefer Mitch Trubisky who at least has NFL experience. I, I feel like where we talk about the doomsday scenarios for these Pittsburgh guys is a rookie comes in and the wheels completely fall off the offense and it just ceases to function. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this is a hot take, but I, I don't think Trubisky and Pickett is as bad of a combo as some do. I, I think there's some hope here. I mean, it's not ideal, obviously, but I, I, we've seen some moments from Trubisky 
Uh, we could get him in a new system here, maybe a little lower volume role. He looks a lot better. Pickett, he's a first round pick. I know there's a lot of questions about it, but I just I feel like there's a decent shot between the two of them. Uh, there's a little more upside, I think, than some other mediocre situations around the league. So I'm not I'm not expecting a great passing game here, but um, yeah, I don't mind that Trubisky's the starter. I still kind of expect Pickett to come in, but I was reading some quotes from Mike Tomlin where he was basically saying like they're not going to overreact and kind of jerk around this this situation here they're gonna they're gonna have a starter in there leave them around for a while they're, they're not gonna just flip-flop this every week at training camp so I would expect Trubisky to get a pretty decent run here but we'll see if it's week three and he's had six interceptions like I, I think it's it's very possible that Kenny Pickett comes in yeah I I agree I think Trubisky probably plays until he plays himself out of the job that it, it, and if that does happen in week three or week four then I fair enough I guess but yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't I wouldn't expect Pickett to just be handed an opportunity right unless we were all wrong on Pickett and you know he's just showing it in practice I do think they'll play him if he's if he's the best player but I would expect he needs a little 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 time to get up to speed so okay let's get to uh the Browns um Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio is reporting the Browns are bracing for an eight-game suspension for Deshaun Watson, but um, he also added a source with extensive knowledge of this case, believes the range is two to eight games. So that's a pretty big range, first of all, and it's a lot lower than we thought it was going to be. I have just kind of been baking in like eight-plus games for all of these Browns players. Maybe I'm going to regret this. What do you think about Watson and just this whole situation with the Browns? It makes you wonder whether he should be going higher. Like he's right now the quarterback 16 going in the 11th round. Uh, it, Deshaun Watson is a top six quarterback when he's on the field. Uh, and it's just tough to not draft that at a position where floor is not all that important. Uh, it hasn't been as easy to stream quarterbacks in the last couple of years as it has been before, but I don't think you should run away from picking a guy with easily the highest ceiling outside of the top, the top 12 quarterbacks in ADP, just because you don't know how many games he's going to miss. Because if he only misses two games, then that, that pick is a huge win for your fantasy team. Maybe not for your conscience, but for your fantasy team, it's, it's for, it's going to work out pretty well. So I, I don't know. It's, it's one that is tough to hit the draft button on for some reason, but I, the logical part of me says that we should probably be taking Watson more in, in the late rounds, really. Yeah. I, we talked about this before the show. I've kind of been copping out. It, it doesn't, it's not a draft pick that I like making. I'm not going to enjoy rostering him. And he's on the Browns being a Bengals fan. You know what I mean? I just have not been drafting him. I, I think I would advise our listeners if they don't care about that stuff and they're just trying to win, then yes, we should be drafting him here. So, so yeah, it's a tricky situation, but you can make the case. I mean, okay. So we get to like QB 10. We're still at Russell Wilson. I, I think we're still just taking those quarterbacks. They're, they're talented enough. But once you get past that, I mean, Tom Brady, I guess his situation is looking better now. Uh, Matthew Stafford, though, I don't know if he has that upside. Like, once you get in that QB 11-12 range, uh, it starts just, you know, on paper, he looks like a smart pick. As, as You know, you don't have to draft him there, probably. But So, yeah, it's a difficult spot. I'm not sure what to do with it. I'm not drafting him. But if you're out there trying to win money, it's, it's probably a smart move at this point. 
Yeah, and I would say that th this is pretty league dependent as well. If you have a small bench, I would maybe advise against it because even if it's a minimum of two games, probably more likely to be closer to eight games, you don't want him taking up a roster spot and preventing you from getting good guys on the waiver wire when you should be churning those roster spots early in the season. Yeah. But at the same time, that there's just insane upside if you do have the bench room or an IR spot even that lets you put suspended players on it. I it it just makes a lot of sense in certain circumstances. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, eight games is a, a huge difference between like four. Uh, eight just makes it almost impossible to to justify it. So okay. Other than that, I mean the rest of the offense is probably undervalued, right? I mean, I don't know how much there is to say. It's they're obviously better. Uh, with Deshaun Watson in there. So Chubb and uh, Amari Cooper and all of them are probably going underdrafted if, if this ends up being closer to four games. Uh, I really don't know. Like, I, I'm i not all that into most of the weapons on this Browns offense. I, I don't think anybody here is going to dominate targets, Amari Cooper included. I don't mind David Bell super late, but he he's just been free-falling down draft boards lately. So I I'm not really ready to take crazy exploitive stances on any of these Browns weapons. I think David Njoku is a decent late round tight end kind of no matter what happens at quarterback. Uh, but overall, I, I'm not like salivating at the idea of getting a one or two round discount on Amari Cooper. Okay. Yeah. I can get on board with that. Maybe it lifts the lower ADP players. Uh, maybe leave the rest about where they are. So, Okay. Let's get on to the Giants. I, I joked earlier about Wandale Robinson lining up as a running back, but there is actual positive news from the Giants camp. He was practicing with the first team at the start of training camp. Again, it's just the first day, but uh, with Sterling Shepard on the pup list, um, it's good news, right? So uh, I think Wandale Robinson should be on our radar. I know his profile is divisive, and I'm generally not going after these small wide receivers, but I, I think the cost is totally worth a shot here. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody was in on these, basically the same player, but his name was Rondale Moore last year. <laughs> Wandale is an inch tall, taller, and he was even more productive in college. His, his metrics popped even more, in my opinion, yet he's cheaper in both Dynasty and Redraft than Rondale was a year ago. So I think everybody just has fantasy PTSD. And I'm excited for Wandale Robinson. I, I think the process on him is fine. And there, I mean, there's real opportunity in this Giants offense. I mean, obviously, it, it should look better with Brian Dable now. Uh, Kadarius Toney is a player we like, but obviously has some injury concerns, some weird swirling rumors that nobody has really talked about since like last March about the team trying to trade him. Uh, not sure if that is still really in play, but th there are paths to Wandale being productive this year. And he he's free right now. It may, maybe just have your eye on him early in the season on the waiver wire, but that he's somebody I'm quite interested in. Yep, agreed. Sterling Shepard, I'm just not expecting anything out of him. He's already injury prone and Achilles injury. That sounds just a recipe for disaster. And he uh, seems to have already passed Darius Slayton on the depth chart. Um, Kenny Galladay, we all know what a, a mystery he is. So yeah, I mean, there's a, a much clearer path than you would think for Wandale Robinson. So go ahead and draft him late. Um, we'll see how much his ADP rises. 
And then let's get to Tennessee. Uh, this is a good one here. I'm really happy about this one. Titans GM John Robinson said that Traylon Burks did a nice job in the conditioning test. We're back. Traylon Burks, rookie wide receiver one. What do you think? Yeah, I, all, all it took was an allergy med prescription or, or an asthma prescription. I, I don't know that we ever got a definitive answer on that, but what whatever he did, it uh, sounds like it worked. So yeah, I... <laughs> I, I'm not overly bullish on Burks's situation this year. Uh, I do think that people have s- sort of ran out way too quickly with the AJ Brown comparisons, just because he's wearing the same Jersey that AJ Brown was. Uh, we, we don't know that he's AJ Brown, uh, but there, I mean, there is opportunity here. It, Tennessee's probably going to be a low volume passing offense, but when you're competing with, 30-year-old Robert Woods coming off an ACL tear, I, anything can happen. I I definitely don't hate Traylon Burks at his ADP right now. Yeah, and I mean, the big thing for me, it's not that I think he's going to be A.J. Brown. I, I think I, uh, I don't know, respect Tannehill a little more than consensus. Like, I don't think he's a world beater, but I do think uh, they're going to have competent offense with him and with a good coaching staff and uh, hopefully Derek Henry for most of the year. So that's kind of it for me. I think Burks can do things with the ball in his hands. So it's not like we need him dominating the route tree downfield. He needs to make improvements, but I don't know. I really like him. Um, I have definitely cooled off, but positive news is great. And if if we see him on the field playing with the ones for the most part, you know, in preseason, I, I think I'm, I'm ready to go on Traylon Burks. I'm, I'm drafting him as much as I can. So we'll see how high the ADP goes if that does happen. Yeah, agreed completely. I I mean, I I think the benchmark is probably Drake London. I mean, he's going in the sixth round on underdog right now. I don't think Traylon Burks can or should get quite that high. But if if we're talking like eighth round, I I think I'm okay with Traylon Burks. Maybe maybe seventh round if I really talk myself into his upside. But yeah, I I think I'll have him on some teams this year. I guess for me, I'll just I'll gladly take the, the discount and take the receiver attached to Tannehill uh, compared to Mariota. I just I, I don't know what we're going to get out of Mariota this year, but we'll see. It was just it was pretty ugly in Atlanta last year with Matt Ryan, so I'm a little down on on that situation. Still love Kyle Pitts though, but all right, I think that hits most of the news right now. Um, we're not going to be able to cover all this news every time, but there was some fun stuff this week, so I wanted to make sure uh, we talked about it. So. Um, I'm going to get into some of the guys I can't stop drafting. So, um, Ryan, take it away from here. Yeah. So these are Eric's top five players that he wants on all of his rosters. I'm sure just no, no differentiation here. No, we're not diversifying portfolios that this will be 100% roster ship for Eric. He is so bullish on all of these players. Uh, we're, we're going to kind of go in order of ADP. So Eric kick us off. Who is your first player? First player for me is Najee Harris. And, you know, I know this isn't a hot take here necessarily, but uh, his average ADP is in the 7 to 11 range. And I just see a lot of pushback on Harris that kind of confuses me, to be honest. Uh, When I start asking people about the pushback, I I just kind of feel like I get these vague answers on him. Uh, When you're drafting in the back half of the first round, like if you if it goes like it usually does, which is Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Like once they're off the board, Najee Harris is my pick. Uh, I'm going to use some of your criteria here from your league winning running backs article from last year. Um, he 
only has one knock against him, which is like right in the league winning running back range. He was actually on the list last year um, as a, a league winning running back potential. So, I mean, average ADP in the seven to 11 range, check 24 years old, check 24th overall pick in the NFL draft, check 91st percent uh, percentile speed score, which I was uh, surprised by. I didn't realize it was that great. 14.5% target share last year. The Steelers have a win total of seven on DraftKings Sportsbook. That's not awful. That's the only knock on him is uh, is on that one. And you even mentioned in the article, it's the least important. So, like, I don't know. Like, this seems awesome to me. Um, and his snap share was just insane. I mean, it was highest in the league by far. Like, it wasn't even close, the next highest snap share at running back. So, we're getting a young running back here. He plays all of the snaps. Like, I just... I mean, we've got all these running backs about to go off the age cliff. I just don't see how you cannot take Najee Harris at the end of the first round unless you want to go zero RB and then fine. Like draft Stephon Diggs, I guess Devontae Adams or CeeDee Lamb or Travis Kelsey. I don't know who you're taking there. But if you don't want to draft a running back, that's a valid argument. But other than that, uh, Najee Harris is basically my seventh player on the board this year. Yeah, it's hard for me to push back too much on that. I as you said, the the real valid argument against him is I don't want to draft a running back in the back of the first round. I would rather draft Stefan Diggs is of the world. Uh, but if we are just talking about running back, t- taking that we're going running back as an assumption, I agree. There, there are not really any other players that I don't think have significant worries with Derrick Henry coming off a foot injury at 28 years old. I it's hard to argue against. I think there there are two ways you could go here. So Najee Harris is not going to see a 90% snap share again. He has even come out and said that he's not going to be on the field quite as much. Now, I'm sure he'll still be on the field plenty. I'm sure he'll still be commanding targets and getting goal line carries and all of the important things for fantasy production. But if we assume a slight drop in volume uh, and along with that, do we really think Najee Harris can be more efficient this year? He wasn't all that great running the ball last year. The offensive line is improved, but not still not really above average in any sense of the word. Uh, and th- this offense as a whole could be severely degraded. It, we, we just kind of went through the scenarios of Trubisky and Pickett. I think that's really the disconnect of where people are feeling grossed out by Najee is they don't trust the Steelers offense in general. I I mean, the Steelers have been very high in pass rate in the last few years with big Ben. I would not expect that to continue uh, whether it is Trubisky or Pickett. you might think, Oh, well that doesn't matter for Najee Harris. He's a running back, but it kind of does matter for how often the offense is going to be in the red zone. I mean, I mean, if this team turns into Washington, then you're, not really all that happy about Najee Harris more than likely. Right. Like even, even if they are giving insane rushing volume, that that's not really what matters for fantasy production. Yeah. So a a couple counters, I mean, they were ninth in plays last year. Like you said, it was just, it was high volume, but they weren't, they weren't getting very far. They were 23rd in yardage. So this was kind of already a bad offense last year. Like they just had the volume. Obviously if the play volume comes down, then the targets could come down. He had 94 targets last year. So I get that argument. Um, But this was already not a very good offense, not a very good offensive line already. 
And he, he scored 10 touchdowns. Like, it's not like that's some insane number. Like, we've seen running backs on bad teams score more than 10 touchdowns. So I feel like he could improve on the touchdowns and, you know, they could run the ball more. I mean, he had 3.9 yards of carry. I know that's bad, but that's not super sticky. Like, he could have 4.5 this year. I don't know. So I, I think there are some positive regression in store for Najee Harris that we can po- possibly bake in here. Uh, but it, it's really just – if I don't take a running back in the first round, I'm going to be waiting a while. And that's a valid strategy. I mean, there's some second rounders I might pick off, but uh, they got a lot of holes in their profiles. And I don't know when I'm on the clock right around picks, uh, well, pretty much just seven on I, I'm, I'm clicking the button on Harris. I mean, Diggs is really the only one that I find myself taking over Najee Harris. I don't feel great about taking Devonte Adams. Travis Kelsey is a valid pick. I just have a hard time going tight end. So uh, I have started a lot of drafts at the back half this year, and I don't know why that's worked out, um, but I keep drafting Najee Harris. So I don't know. I, I think there are arguments on both sides, and a lot of the arguments against him are answered in your league-winning running back study. You know, like that stuff's all factored in, and, um, you know, DraftKings Sportsbook sees the Steelers as a seven-win team. That's not bad. So I don't know. I'm willing to look past the holes just for the 24-year-old who's going to get a, a ton of work. Yeah, I – Ultimately agree with you. Uh, Najee is someone I haven't been drafting all that much, but I am going to be making a conscious effort to get my exposure to him higher in the next few weeks. Um, I mean, especially as now, now that we're in training camp uh, or well, I guess once we're a few weeks into training camp, once we get into the preseason proper and there's less time for these running backs to sort of have horrific freak injuries during the preseason, I think it becomes more and more palatable to draft running backs earlier. So mm-hmm. Harris is somebody I'm probably going to have a good amount of this year. And yeah, I'll, I'll give you the last word. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we move on to your next guy? No, just really in general. I'm just trying to get out ahead of these older running backs. If you want to hang on for one more year on some of the older ones, go for it. But I'm I'm just trying to transition to these younger running backs. And Harris is just a prime example. Yep. Agree, agree 100%. All right. Moving on, Eric, who is your next player that you can't stop drafting? Right. And I feel like this is one that the kind of casual fantasy fan base will be like, yeah, duh, it's, it's CD lamb. Of course you're drafting CD lamb and CD lamb's great. Uh, but I think in, in fantasy Twitter circles, um, I think a lot of people believe he's overdrafted and I find myself starting a lot of drafts at the end with Najee Harris and CD lamb. And I really like that start. Uh, so I'm just going to get some of the reasons why I like CD lamb here, uh, kind of early second round, mid second round, somewhere in that range. Um, he's still just 23 former 17th overall pick. He's put up 13.6 and 14.6 PPR season so far. Uh, His touchdown rate is not great. It was like four and a half and 5% touchdowns per target the last two years, just five and six touchdowns total. Like he could totally put up 10 touchdowns. Like I don't see how that's not in his range of possibilities. So there's a spike potentially. And like, I know vacated targets aren't as simple as just, you know, the Cowboys lost Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson and all these people. And like, let's just give them all to CD lamb. I, I know it does not work like that, but this has been a really good offense and CD lamb did not break out. I don't think that's what was holding him back. I, I, I think it was just, there were so many options in the passing game and sure. It's a little bit of a concern that he wasn't just drawing those targets, but they really need CD lamb to be the alpha on this team this year. Um, like who else are they going to throw to, uh, you know, James Washington, Jalen Tolbert, like people like him, but he's a third round pick. Uh, Michael Gallup, like 
who knows when he's back and if how long it takes him to be the same. So it's like CD Lamb and Dalton Schultz and the running backs, and they just really need CD Lamb to have a big season. Um, and we know Dallas will feed these players if they're they're the kind of star players. So I don't know. Matt Harmon, reception perception, gives him a 73% success rate versus man coverage, says he can play a slot or outside. I just at some point, like we thought C.D. Lamb was a really good player coming into the league. He hasn't quite broken out yet, but he's been solid and productive. I don't know. I, I just I think everything is pointing to him getting a ton of targets and having a huge season here. So um, with some of the receivers around him, like I'd rather have him than Debo, Tyreek, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen. Like I just he's kind of at the cliff, I think, for the early receivers. And I've been scooping him up quite a bit in the second round. So this is probably the guy I disagree with you the most on. I sort of see CD as the start of a tier at wide receiver. I don't mind that he's mixed in with the Debo Samuels and the AJ Browns and the Tyree kills, but I think drafting him in the early second round is pretty much not giving him a whole lot of room to beat that. So I, I think it's completely plausible that he could just be a third-year breakout instead of a sophomore breakout. We do see that plenty. Uh, but if he's going as the wide receiver six, you're you're already baking in that he will 100% be a top 12 breakout this year, which he hasn't done yet. And I think the best argument as to why you shouldn't be drafting him there is, well, two names. T. Higgins, who you can draft half a round to a round later that has a very similar profile and could just as easily break into the top 12 receivers this year. And Michael Pittman, who could similarly dominate the targets on his team, uh, has also shown very good improvement from year one to year two. I, I just think that there are other players that have similar chances of having similar breakout years to him but you can get those other players cheaper. And I I don't think that there's that much of a difference between floor and ceiling between really any of those three guys. I, I even Higgins, if chase gets hurt, Higgins is challenging for wide receiver one overall. I don't know if I, I don't know if I can say that about CD lamb. So I agree with the, there are receivers in later rounds that are very appealing. So I'm not going to dispute that at all, but I mean, we're looking at wide receiver six last year. I mean, that's like 17 PPR points a game. I don't see any reason why CD Lamb can't do that. And But the big part of the thing for me is like, okay, so if we're not taking CD Lamb at the start, early like early to mid-second round, like who are we taking? Uh, that, that would be my big question because unless you want to go with one of these running backs in this range, like Joe Mixon, Stephon, or, uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, Nick Chubb, I mean, that's kind of the running backs in the range. Receivers, we've got... Uh, digs if he falls uh, Kelsey is a possibility Debo like Tyreek Hill like I, I understand the knocks on CD and I understand that there are maybe better values later on but when I'm early second round I, he's the one that I'm picking like I don't if, do you have any suggestions on who you're taking there other than CD Lamb if you have the 10th pick in the draft and you're coming back yeah, I, I mean, I you love Najee so much. I think DeAndre Swift it basically is Najee Harris on may, maybe a higher volume passing offense. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of similarities between these two players. Swift isn't going to see the volume on the ground that Najee will, but 
again, that's not what we care about for fantasy. I, I'm I'm going to be drafting so much DeAndre Swift in the early second uh, mm-hmm. to, to the point that I will have very little CD for that exact reason. I mean, that's fair. Uh, he's already creeping up, though, uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, I'm looking at, like, fanny, fancy pros. He's up to our uh, well, 13 overall, excuse me. So I guess you're basically saying you would rather start Stefan Diggs if you can grab him and DeAndre Swift, which I think I get, I can get on board with that. But if you have eighth pick, ninth pick, 10th pick, I mean, I don't know. Diggs could be gone. And it's just, I keep slotting into these two, two players at the turn there. And I understand there are other options there are different ways to attack this, but it's just two young players that I still think have a lot of room for growth. Um, and, and I still think Dallas is a good offense, even though the line's not as good. You know, there's some things falling apart here, but I still do trust Dak. So I don't know. I, I certainly understand the um, the issues with CD Lamb, but I just I haven't really fallen in love with anyone else in that area. Yeah, that's fair. I do think overall it's a pretty gross area of the draft. I I'm gonna have zero Tyree Kill. I'm gonna have zero Joe Mixon. Uh, I won't be taking Nick Chubb in the early second. There there aren't a ton of options there. Y- yeah, I mean you really you hope Devonte Adams or Travis Kelsey falls. I'm happy to take them over CD, obviously, but. Yeah, it, I can see scenarios where I feel boxed into taking CD, but I certainly wouldn't say he's one of my guys just, just because there are other players that I really prefer even a full round or two later if I am taking either at cost. That's fair. And I just want to clarify, like when you say um, like Joe Mixon, it feels gross taking him there. I think we can all agree that he's a really good player. He's going to be pretty good this year. It's just when you look at the running back rankings, you can get like Joe Mixon at 14 or you could get Leonard Fournette at 24 or you could get, I mean, even James Conner, like I'm not drafting James Conner much, but he could score a whole bunch of touchdowns and you can get him at a significant discount. Like, I think that's probably what we mean here, right? A lot of these options in this tier, like the guys 10 picks later, we're kind of just as big of a fan of. Yeah, I mean, we're way off topic here now, but I, Joe, Joe Mixon is pretty unlikely to have a three-down roll this year. It sounds like they really would like to have Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Evans competing for those snaps. Uh, so I would much rather take Leonard Fournette, who I know will have a three-down roll as long as he's healthy. And even you can maybe argue James Conner. I, I think I'd take Mixon over Conner, but I mean, In these vacuum, yeah. are... Yeah, th- these are just just as high vol or high uh, high volume and high octane offenses that they're on, and probably have its equal or better roles. So yeah, I, I'll I'll take Fournette and Connor cheaper. Yeah, and again, sorry to make this a Joe Mixon section, but uh, they pretty much phased him out last year on third downs already, starting in like week thirteen. So uh, this is nothing new. Um, I do have him RB eight, and I don't mind taking him, and he's almost certainly going to finish as an RB1. It's just the ceiling, as always, with these running backs. So, okay, that's enough of our C.D. Lamb slash uh, Joe Mixon section. So uh, take it away. All right. So we're going to move down the draft board a little bit. Going to talk about another running back. Eric, give it to us. Who is your next guy? Yeah, and this is another one that's kind of a team fit thing. Um, It's Brees Hall uh, for the Jets, the rookie running back. he he's going to be a little too rich for some people. His ADP is 42. Um, so you can get him in the, the fourth round, sometimes the fifth. I've got him in the fifth. But it, it's more about roster construction here. Um, like if I get a bell cow running back in the first round, like if I get an Eckler or, a, you know, a JT or something, I'm not going to take Brees Hall in the fourth. 
Um, maybe if I get one of those second or third round guys, maybe I would double up on Hall. But he's more of the if you're not going to take a running back early, but you don't want to go true zero RB. Uh, I think Brees Hall is your guy. Um, he's 21 years old. Uh, drafted a pick 36, 98th percentile speed score. So those are all like good things in your league winning running back metrics. Um, he gets two knocks for his ADP though overall. Uh, so he is getting drafted later than we would like to see. Um, he gets a knock for his target share in college at 11%, which feels a little harsh. Like it, it's still a pretty good target share. We'll see how that turns out. But that is, according to your metrics, another knock. And then it gets a knock for playing on a bad team. Uh, five and a half win total on DraftKings Sportsbook. So uh, the league win winning running backs typically do not have four uh, strikes against them like Brees Hall does. But um, I do think his ADP could rise some. I do think the target share is maybe a little um, harsh just because he does have a nice pass catching role. So again, this is just getting in front of the young running backs, not drafting these old guys. If you missed one early, I think Brees Hall is like the last one I can see really being a league winner or borderline league winner like Najee Harris last year um, outside of like some injury, you know, an injury happens and AJ Dillon, uh, you know, breaks out. Like I feel like almost everyone after Brees Hall, they're waiting on an injury where Hall, Hey, if he's really a nice player here, uh, he can have a really good year. And I would rather attach myself to Hall on this Jets offense than try to figure out this passing game. Honestly, I, I know we've been into Elijah Moore lately um, and he is a lot cheaper, but I kind of feel better about, you know, going with the running back here. Maybe the offense is a little better and, and they funnel a lot of production through him. So uh, that's my argument for Brees Hall. Again, he does not fit a lot of team builds, uh, but uh, it, it's kind of fun to start out with three receivers and then draft Brees Hall. It's, it's a roster that I like. Yeah. And I I've done that exact roster construction in a lot of leagues already. Um, Hall is somebody I'm going to have a lot of, as you said, there are limitations uh, that, make it so finishing is like the overall RB one is not really in his range of outcomes, but I think hall could have a Najee Harris like rookie season. That that's probably about his ceiling. Yeah. Uh, I I've made the comparison to rookie year, Jonathan Taylor a lot. I, he has, he has high second round draft capital, excellent prospect profile can be an all purpose back. Uh, his backfield competition is a day three satellite back that people are probably giving a little bit too much credit. Uh, it, that would be Michael Carter. So I, if I'm getting Hall in the fourth round, I, I'm very comfortable taking him there. Pre, really one of the only sort of dead zone running backs that you're going to catch me drafting. And the reason is he's not a dead zone running back because we're just projecting him to fall into a bunch of volume and not be all that efficient or not have all that much upside. Brees Hall has plenty of upside from a role perspective. He's going in the dead zone because there's uncertainty because he's a rookie. And I think that, that that's pretty good to lean into. Honestly, if you're looking past this top tier of running backs, he he's definitely my favorite among them. And I, I think Brees Hall has a pretty high floor too. If that's something you care about, like in, in the fourth round are the RB two like sort of tier of players is all ends up around the same anyway at the end of the year, like 13, 14 points per game. I, I think Brees Hall puts that up in his sleep. He's not going to absolutely destroy your team. So I, yeah, I'm happy to take plenty of him just because I know that there's that ceiling. And I can't say that about the David Montgomery that's going around him. Like I, that it's just an archetype that I'm completely cool with taking. 
Yeah. And another thing I think I'd want to say to, to people listening, I know there's a lot of people out there. They're like, you guys are crazy. You got to draft two running backs early. You need stud running backs. That's what's what wins leagues. I know we're a little more hero bay, hero RB or, or um, zero RB or whatever. But if you are one of those people that wants two early running backs, I would much rather see you take, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, pick one or, you know, Derrick Henry in the first or whoever you're going to take in the first and then double up with Brees Hall in the fourth or fifth, as opposed to, fitting in, you know, Nick Chubb in the second or Aaron Jones in the second or third. Like I just, if you're, if you really want those two running backs, take a little discount, uh, get Brees Hall as your RB two, and you've still got that upside. And then you can start piecing together some floor later in your drafts. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is really a, just a question of ceiling because floor. Yeah. As I said before, floor doesn't matter at running back at, after like the, RB eight or something. Yeah. Usually the, the RB 12 through 30 finish pretty close in points per game at the end of every year. So it it's honestly a much flatter position after the top than people give it credit for. So if you're drafting a running back, you want them to have a projectable range of outcomes to get into that tier of difference makers. And I think Brees Hall is the best bet to do so that is going in the fourth round or later. All right, we're getting in my uh, my real fun players now, Ryan. Are you excited excited for these last two? I am so excited. We're gonna, <laughs> we are taking quite the slide down the draft board now. Uh, Eric is gonna show all of us how cool and hipster and zero RB pilled he is. Who is your next player, Eric? Yeah. So first of all, I want to say that I left out Sony Michelle, who I draft in almost every single draft. It, it's a problem at this point, but he's just so cheap that like it's it didn't feel like it was a big takeaway to say I'm drafting Sony Michelle, but he's on all my rosters, but um, I kind of friend of Sony Michelle here. Uh, this is my uh, fourth one here. It's Daryl Henderson. Um, he's still on the Rams, uh, despite how everyone acts like, uh, you know, there's not much upside here with him. He's going as the RB 44, which is 11th or 12th round. He's still only 24 years old. Uh, I get it. He's a huge injury risk. Um, he's, he's been banged up throughout his whole career. I get it, but he's an 11th or 12th round pick. Uh, he had double-digit carries in nine of the Rams' first 11 weeks last year and scored eight touchdowns while Cam Akers was out. Like, yes, there's the durability thing, but when he got the workload, it may have not been the prettiest thing in the world, but he was a running back one in fantasy football. Uh, then he suffered an MCL injury, missed a ton of time to end the season. Um, he came back for the Super Bowl, only got four carries while Akers was getting the, uh, the workload, but he did get five targets for 43 yards. Like, I know it's just a one-game sample size, but they threw him the ball in the Super Bowl. I think that's noteworthy. And then the the depth chart is terrible behind him and Cam Akers. I mean, I've heard people talking up Kyron Williams. Um, he's a fifth-round rookie rehabbing from foot surgery. Uh, he had a ninth percentile speed score. Um, he's a passing back. He's not like a workhorse here. Uh I don't really think we should count on him for anything early on. We'll see when he's on the field. And after that, it's like Jake Funk and Xavier Jones. Like there's nobody on this roster. So I, I think worst case, um, Daryl Henderson is a high-end handcuff in a good offense. I expect the Rams to score a whole bunch of touchdowns. And I think he might have a somewhat of a week-to-week role here. I mean, you're not going to want to start him necessarily, but I, I do think he's a depth piece. So overall, I think the injuries baked into this price. I am drafting him almost every single time when he comes up. And I, I will say, like, he doesn't have league-winning upside because if Cam Akers gets hurt, the Rams are going to go get somebody. So I'm not saying, like, draft him because Cam Akers could get hurt coming off an Achilles and 
Daryl Henderson's going to be the RB one, RB you know six on the season. I'm not saying that because they'll go sign somebody, but there's more opportunity here than I think people realize, and it's going to take Acres just like fulfilling all of our dreams we've had about him uh, for Henderson to just become dust here. Yeah, so I agree with most of what you said, and at full transparency, I have a ton of Darrell Henderson, especially in best ball leagues. Yeah. Uh, but just to play devil's advocate here a little bit, I think you're right that Henderson does have a very good weekly ceiling if he's going into a week as the assumed starter, whether that's because of injury to Cam Akers or whatever might happen uh, at, with hit where he's basically a science experiment right now with that, with that Achilles. Uh, but I think the problem with Daryl Henderson is that the Rams seem like they hate him, but I mean, they were rolling out cam Akers basically playing on one leg in not only in the playoffs in the super bowl, they would yeah. rather have cam Akers out there plotting for like 2.9 yards of carry on, <laughs> instead of putting Daryl Henderson in the game. So I, what you say about the Rams going out and signing someone, I, I think is prophetic. If Akers, for whatever reason, can't carry the full workload, Hen- Henderson's not jumping into a bell cow role. I, best case, you're seeing like a 55, 60% opportunity share, kind of like he was having last year in the games that he was the starter for. And I mean, on the Rams offense, that is valuable for sure, but I think there is reason to be skeptical if that is really his true ceiling. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's tons of holes in his profile, but okay, let's go with some of the running backs ahead of him. This is on fantasy pros, um, but tell me when to stop here. Someone you want to take instead of them. Uh, these are players being drafted ahead of Daryl Henderson. We got Damian Pierce, Isaiah Spiller. I feel like that's rich for Spiller. I know people love Spiller, but I don't know. Um, Naheem Hines, Ronald Jones. Like Alexander Madison, I get that's an elite handcuff, but James Robinson, like okay, James Cook, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, but like, it's James Cook. But like, <laughs> that's the what answer. is what is what is ahead of him? You know, and I, I'm sure if we look at underdog, it's a little different here, but I think he might actually go later on underdog. So I don't know. I mean, there's a few names after him that are fun, like Rashad White. It, he'll go higher in underdog than than fantasy pros ADP, but. I don't know, like in this range, he's just the one I'm picking every time. And I bet in your home league, uh, there are going to be some home leagues where he falls even past 11 or 12. So I just, I think there's playable weeks here for him. And that's why I'm drafting him at this stage of drafts. I, yeah, I agree on the playable weeks thing. He, that, that's the thing. Like if, if he is, as I said earlier, if he's going into a week expected to get the most touches in that backfield, we're ranking him inside the top 16 running backs yeah. all, almost no matter what, like he, he's not somebody like with some of these satellite backs, for example, where in a managed league, you're going to tear your hair out trying to guess when the blow up weeks are. If, Hen- generally Henderson's opportunity will be foreseeable before the yeah. game starts. So I, I agree that if you're going zero, zero RB, your hero RB and you're drafting sort, sort of a running back to by committee with mm-hmm. a bunch of these guys that you think you're going to cycle in and out. I, yeah, I think there are worse picks than Henderson. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what I'm using him for. So, all right. Yep. That's, that's all I got on Henderson. All right, Eric, we're going to go down to the very bottom of drafts. And you, you've got somebody here that I probably should have taken as one of my guys. It's a little off brand for me to have let a 
Patriots player just go, <laughs> go to you on the podcast, but tell us who it is. Uh, it's it's off brand for me to take a Patriots player. So um, it's Jacoby Myers. Uh, he's going super late in drafts. Um, his ADP, where's he at? Wide receiver 60, 14th round. I mean, he's he's free, basically. Uh, Jacoby Myers is only 25. Like, it seems like he's like 28. I feel like we've had him forever. He's young. Um, he has a good quarterback, right? Like, I know Mac Jones, you could argue all day about his ceiling, but he sure looked good last year. I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. Uh, obviously touchdowns are a problem with Jacoby Myers. He's only scored two in his career, but we saw a little progress last year. That's why he scored both of them, but he's giving us 10 plus PPR points a game without touchdowns. So there's a nice little um, boost there. If he didn't just score a normal six or so touchdowns, like it's not going to take that much to make a difference. And I I think they're going to start trusting Mac Jones more. They're going to start throwing the ball more. And I think the big thing for my roster is why I keep drafting him is I'm taking a lot of shots on the rookies in drafts, um, upside players, you know, someone like a Sky Moore or um, like we talked about earlier, Traylon Burks. Like, I don't know if I can play Sky Moore the first three weeks of the season, you know, and it's I don't want to draft for floor usually in drafts. I'm not one to draft for floor, but uh, I do think if you've taken a bunch of risky receivers in rounds I don't know, six through 10, like it makes a lot of sense to take Jacoby Myers and you can put him out there and he's going to give you seven to 12 points. And I I feel pretty good about that as like a last spot flex play. So um, you look around him and like the 12th round, you got like Jarvis Landry, uh, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Kenny Galladay, Christian Watson. Like, I don't know. Like most of my teams, I can't take Christian Watson there. Even if I like him, just because I have so many rookie receivers, I just don't want to overdo it. And Jacoby Myers is a nice fit in that range for me. So, and my final point, um, you can help me answer this one as the, the the Pats fan, but I'm not that afraid of Devontae Parker. I don't know about you. you know, he comes into the roster. I don't see him as much of a threat to Jacoby Myers. They play totally different positions. Like this is not the same type of receiver. So I, I don't see why Jacoby Myers has taken a step back this year. Yeah, I see Devontae Parker as a potential touchdown vulture from Jacoby Myers. I, I <laughs> yeah. think I think that's like the the maybe most realistic concern. But yeah, I mean, when you look at Jacoby Myers uh, after his rookie year, uh, where he was not playing all that much, he put up a 23% target share and a 24% target share. You know who hasn't done that yet? CD Lamb. <laughs> it, it's funny how the, these things come back around. Uh Jacoby Myers, all all he does is dominate the targets. If the Pats offense takes a step forward, I don't want to say that Myers has like this incredible ceiling, but weekly fantasy playability is certainly in his range of outcomes. I I think the only reason you wouldn't draft Jacoby Myers is if you don't want to draft low ceiling receivers at the end of your draft and you prefer to take a lot of lottery ticket running backs, which I think is generally the correct play. So Jacoby Myers might be like a better in best ball type of player where he makes more sense on those types of roster constructions. But yeah, I, I permission to be bullish on Jacoby Myers this year. Yeah. And and I'll agree with that. I mean, he had 126 targets last year and had uh, 866 yards receiving. So uh, we're not talking about a, a deep threat. We're not talking about touchdowns, but when it's this late, um, like I said, if you're drafting all safe players early on, then I probably would not take Jacoby Myers at this point. But if you got some risk baked into your receiving core, you've got, you know, a bunch of flex spots in your leagues, like, you know, Scott Fishbowl, you got a, a ton of roster spots to fill. Like he's going to come in handy. So that late in the drafts, I'm taking him a bunch. 
Uh, I'm trying to think back. Some of the players that you stole of mine, like I totally would have talked about Chase Edmonds. Uh, there, there were a couple on your list that um, I, I, I did not include in this list. And there's some people we've just talked about way too much. Like I've been drafting a lot of Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, but we don't need to have that discussion again. So um, yeah, these were the five that we haven't really talked about a lot on this podcast and uh, that you didn't beat me to. And I feel pretty good about this list. I know you gave me a lot of CD Lamb pushback, but I still think that uh, I, I can live if it doesn't work out betting on that kind of pedigree. And I think generally the, the, that tends to come through at the end of the day. So uh, I, I'm fine placing my chips on the CD lamb types and, and whiffing on a few of them. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you overall. Like I, I can make all the arguments about CD lambs, ADP and costs relative to other players until I'm blue in the face. But ultimately if he does break out this year, then it, it's not really going to matter. Like it, if you have strong conviction on CD Lamb as a player, then go for it. I, it's not it's not going to kill you to draft him in the second round. And uh, yeah, last thought on Jacoby Myers. I mean, we have actually seen him be efficient. I I mean, in his sophomore year, he had 2.24 yards per out run. That's pretty decent. It was just a much lower volume passing offense that year. So mm-hmm. if the volume comes up and then Jacoby Myers is suddenly a legitimate fantasy contributor, like I, I don't think it's all that far-fetched, but yeah. What's their defense look like this year? I mean, I just always assume the Patriots are going to be good. Are we just assuming the same as always, or could there be a fall off here? Cause honestly, I think that would help this offense the most if the, the defense started giving up some points. Yeah. I, I mean, so last year, the, as a fan base, we weren't all that happy with the defense at a lot of different points in time. Uh, yeah. This year, Matt Patricia is back in the building. Back. Oh, oh, yes. And and so is Joe Judge. <laughs> and neither of them have been named offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. Apparently, Matt Patricia was calling the offense in training camp today. It, it, we have no idea what is going on with this coaching staff right now. So <laughs> if you want to make a case that the Pats defense uh, kind of starts falling apart a little bit, and that means Mac Jones has to throw the ball more, I think it's totally plausible. So yeah, they, honestly, as just from an organizational stability standpoint, this this is not the greatest I've felt as a Patriots fan before, which is weird to say, given that we're what pretty much one of the only teams that drafted a rookie QB last year that should probably feel confident about him still being on the team three years from now. But yeah, that's, that's where I'm my Patriots fan mind is at. All right. Let Matt cook. That's what I think the, the takeaway is let's, let's turn him loose in year two. I, I'm, I like Mac Jones and yeah, this, this, this roster is a little weird. They make some puzzling decisions, but um, they've got what looks like an average or better quarterback. And that's, that's a lot better than a lot of teams are. So uh, all right. Um, anything else before we get out of here, Ryan, uh, any, I don't know, any new targets that are popping up in your drafts, anything you're working on um, at QB list? Yeah, I, I mean, since you cited the league-winning running back article I wrote last year so many times on this podcast, uh, <laughs> I will be working on an update to that. I'm still not entirely sure uh, if I'm going to be dramatically changing up uh, some of the metrics that I look at, but the so, sort of the thrust of the article will be similar and look for that at some point in August. So, yeah. Yeah, I think just a refresher with this year's targets would be awesome. So uh, we've already got your sophomore surge wide receiver article on the site and uh, your running backs do they earn targets is still on the site as well. And that's still relevant. So uh, check out Ryan's stuff. There's there's some good stuff to, to go through there. So, 
I think that wraps it up. I expect that we will be to you early next week um, to do, uh, we'll start with the previews, with the rankings, I should say. Um, I don't know. I usually like starting out with running backs just because they are um, such a divisive topic, but we'll see. We'll be coming at you with right rankings next time we talk to you. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, fantasy season is about to get real exciting, so uh, I can't wait.